When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, beloved, welcome to another chapter of the Book of Sean. It's good to see you. Thank you for tuning in. We have an amazing show for you tonight. My dear brother, T-Lo Brown is here. You know him from the hit group Next. He's here to talk about fatherhood and his journey with that and how it coincides and sometimes can be interrupted by the music. You know, sometimes, first of all, being a parent is never easy. Being, and I'm a dad, he's a dad. Being a father is never easy, right? It's a difficult journey. You have to grow, and we don't always we don't always end the way we started, right? That's the prayer. The prayer is that you won't end the way you started, because we never start things off great. And I'm here tonight, and my brother's here tonight, to really talk about that journey, how he started, the mistakes, the good things, and how even after all of that, he's here tonight to, to talk about what he hopes for as it relates to being a dad and his children, um, and I'm also going to ask him just, just a little bit about the music. Just a little bit. You can't have T-Lo Brown on without asking about the music, okay? We're going to do all of that today. Um, we're going to do some Ask Dr. Sean because you guys sent me some great questions. And I'm, I am I am, I am, am up to the challenge of ask, answering them, rather. And, of course, we're going to do some headlines because there's a lot going on in the world. So, as I often say in the immortal words of Sean McMillan, play the bumper highly. <laughs> So by now, all of us have heard and or seen the sickening secret recording of members of the Los Angeles City Council making racist and insensitive remarks. We found out today that Nuri Martinez has resigned uh, from the City Council. Uh, First, she resigned from being president, but stayed on. And now today, recently, uh, she resigned from the City Council um, after taking a leave of absence. And let me just say that... um, that it's a good thing that she resigned. And the other two city council members with whom she was having this erroneous and irascible and tragic conversation also need to resign, okay? Um, And maybe you didn't hear some of this conversation and we got a clip of it, so let's play the clip right now. Play the clip, John. The white guy with the little black kid, which I was like, this kid needs a beat down. Like, let me, let me take him around the corner and then I'll bring him back. There's nothing you can do to control him. And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. And, and later on in the conversation, she describes the little black boy uh, as being a monkey. Uh, and later on, um, she goes on. They go on because they're all talking. They go on and say that the, um, that the district attorney is with the blacks. The blacks. You know, some things can't be tolerated, okay? <laughs> you know, you cannot be a public official... In Los Angeles, by the way, this is L.A. This is this isn't like Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Okay, this isn't Mississippi. This is L.A. You can't be a public official in L.A. and make racist and derogatory comments about black people or any people for that matter. You know what I'm saying? It's just a line that you can't cross. Now, in America, you have the right to think whatever you want to think up in the, in the top of your head. You have the right to think all kinds of crazy things. But some of those things should not come out of your mouth. it's amazing you know every community has a segment of itself that doesn't represent the best of what it stands for and clearly nuri and these other city council members who are engaged in this racist conversation represent that for the latino or hispanic communities because there are plenty of latino brown brothers and sisters who don't think that about black people there there are people who work here who, who, don't, who don't have those same sensibilities. So we're not going to impugn the entire Hispanic or Latino Latino community but because there's always a group that, 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 that represents the worst of a particular community. But let me say this. 
I'm not from L.A. I'm from New York. I'm born and raised in New York. I'm a New Yorker, okay? I ain't born in Brooklyn, raised in Queens, then lived in Harlem. I'm a New Yorker. And when I moved to L.A., I did not understand the tension between black and brown people. It made no sense to me. You know, you know if, if you ask black folks and, and brown people in this city, there's a little tension between Hispanic people. I never got it because in New York, we don't have those problems. In New York, the Puerto Ricans and the Dominicans, they're my people. <laughs> we love us some Puerto Ricans and Dominicans. Black folks and Puerto Ricans and Dominicans get along in New York. In fact, I can't think, and maybe it's different now. I don't live in New York now. I live in L.A. But I can't think of a time when I was growing up when there was, when there was ever any real serious, you know, like ongoing beef. I mean, you may have Puerto Rican gangs and black gangs not getting along, but that's gang world. I was not in the gang. <laughs> in the regular world, no. Now, black folks knew that Puerto Ricans and Dominicans had a different language and a different culture, and they had different idioms and different sensibilities, but we didn't care about none of that. They, those were our people because we were in the same situation and condition. We understood that white folks look at us the same, okay? White folks wanted them to go back to Puerto Rico and wanted them to go back to Dominican Republic, and they wanted us to go back to Africa. So we understood that in, in the eyes of the people who don't like black and brown people, we all the same. And so we, we got along. We stood in solidarity with each other. We stood up for each other. You follow me? So when I moved to L.A. and you had this black and Mexican thing going on, I didn't understand it. I still don't understand it. I do not understand how two communities that are under attack constantly and despised by white racism in this country can't get along better in cities like Los Angeles. It makes no sense to me because the same people that want to send brown people back to Mexico don't want me to vote. <laughs> so You know what I'm saying? When you have a common enemy or a common obstacle or a common challenge, you got to bond together to overcome. We don't have the luxury of not liking each other in this country with respect, uh, with respect to all people, by the way, but especially black and brown people. We don't have that luxury. You need, you need legislation to get passed, the DREAM Act. You need immigration done, right? And we need legislation done in this country to make sure that, that we, reparations, there's a whole bunch of stuff that we need. We need each other to get those things done. But here's the thing, and I'll let this go. This is what internalized racism does to you. Internalized racism makes you hate yourself, but then it also gives you permission to hate the people that the people who are oppressing you, oppressing you rather hate. And Neri Martinez is a wonderful example of internalized racism. Because had she not been reared, bred, and groomed in a country that despises black and brown people, she would not so easily take on the same language and sensibility of that kind of hatred. Make sure all of us are checking our own internalized racism, okay? I think these three folks need to resign, but don't, don't just point to them. Make sure in the ways that we are traveling and living that we're checking ourselves to make sure that we have not internalized the attributes of the oppressor, not liking people simply because they don't like them. Let's move on. Speaking of internalized racism, let's talk about Kanye West. <laughs> let's talk about Kanye West, Juan. <laughs> let's talk about this guy. So um, I just, I just, 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 what was it, Monday or was it Friday? I just did a whole thing about Kanye West wearing the White Lives Matter t-shirt in his fashion show in Paris and how defending white life is a redundant exercise in America since the value of white life has never been questioned. In fact, that's all America seems to care about are white people's lives. And now we wake up in the morning and we find out that Kanye West has been restricted from using Instagram and Twitter because he made anti-Semitic remarks on his social media accounts. Yes, in a now-deleted tweet, Kanye West apparently said that he was going to DEFCON 3 on Jewish people. What? I, just, 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 what? Are you going to DEFCON 3 on Jewish people? You see, Kanye West reminds me of what happens when you give a baby a gun or when you let a toddler drive a car. 
The point being, when you give somebody who is irresponsible too much power, they end up destroying themselves or hurting everybody around them who happens to be close to them. And that's Kanye West. We have given this man too much attention, too much accolade, too much whatever the word is, too much validation, and now he, being irresponsible emotionally and now politically, doesn't know what to do with all that we've given him. And I don't know Kanye West, and I never met Kanye West, but from everything that I see in public, my dear brother, because you are my brother, you need to go some, and this is, this is my professional opinion, you need to go somewhere and get your life together, sir. And you guys know that I don't, I don't come down on celebrities. I don't talk bad about people. I am rooted and grounded in love. That's my thing. You follow me? When you, when, listen, if, if, if my friend, when my friends do something wrong, I defend them. <laughs> I'm the friend that go, he didn't know what he was saying. Because <laughs> I'm rooted in love and forgiveness. But when it, comes, when it comes to doing stuff that's self-destructive, loving Kanye West, because he is my brother, requires that I say to him, you need to get yourself together. You are not as wonderful as you think you are. You're not as perfect as you believe. No, sir. No, 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 no. Sometimes you listen to him and you think that he is grounded and intelligent and brilliant. And then sometimes you listen to him and you think he's completely lost his mind. <laughs> you don't know which one is going to happen when he opens his mouth. And this kind of bipolar way of being in the world has to be exhausting for the people who are close to him. The people who actually are in his life have to be exhausted by the fact that he can be brilliant and wonderful and then go on Twitter and Instagram talk about DEFCON 3 and Jewish people. Anti-Semitism is not acceptable. It's not acceptable no matter who does it. When, when white people do it, or when black people do it, or when anybody does it, it's, it's not acceptable. Black folks are the last people on the planet who should be running around making racist or bigoted remarks to other people because of what we've been through. We should be deeply and profoundly sensitive to hurting communities or judging communities because of what one or two people do, because that's what was done to us. No. Come on, people. But let's bring this into your house, because that's why I'm talking about this. Because there are a lot of people connected to people who are all over the place. There are a lot of people who are watching right now and you are connected to someone who emotionally is all over the place. In the morning they love you, in the afternoon don't touch me. <laughs> on Monday they want to be close and intimate and then, on, and then on Wednesday they don't even want to text you back. And it has to be exhausting to try to love somebody who's all over the place. You know what I'm saying? But here, here's the thing though. When it's all said and done, you have the right to decide whether or not you want to go up and down on the roller coaster of somebody else's emotion. You have the right to decide if you want to be the yo-yo. Do you still, you know, you know what a yo-yo is, Juan? There you go. That's good. <laughs> you have the right to decide if you want to be somebody's emotionally yo-yo, going up and down. I happen to think that you deserve better. I happen to think that if, I'm just going to put it on me. If you can't love me on Monday, on Thursday, the way you love me on Monday, then I don't want to be with you. <laughs> if, you, if, you if you don't want me, if you don't want to hug me at 6 p.m., <laughs> no, I don't know. And, and then, but you were, try, you were trying to get a little kiss at 9 a.m.? I don't want that. And I don't want that for you either because what you deserve is somebody who can be there consistently emotionally and is clear about how they feel about you. Because when somebody loves you, there should be no doubt. I got a couple more, T-Lo, then I'm coming to you, brother. All right, let's talk about Lee Zedlin. So Lee Zedlin is the Republican nominee to be the governor of the state of New York. And he's been hammering Governor, Democratic Governor Kathy Hochul over public safety and crime in New York. But ironically, not long ago, outside of uh, Lee's home, uh, while his two daughters were in the house, there was a shooting that took place right in front of his house. A shooting, people. It was a shooting that wounded two teenagers, and of course, it threatened the lives of his daughters because they were in the house. And you know, bullets don't have names, right? <laughs> bullets don't care. And there was a shooting out right outside of his house. Now, it's important to notice as I rush on that this was a shooting, not, not just a robbery, but a shooting, not just a mugging, but a shooting, not just an assault, but a shooting. 
And, and, I'm, and I'm emphasizing shooting for a reason, and here's why. Because right after it happened, Mr. Zedlin went on to attack Kathy Hochul some more about crime in New York and crime in the city and crime in Long Island. But what he neglected to do was to say anything about gun violence, gun reform, and gun safety. I'm waiting for you to catch up. <laughs> oh, he was, he was big on crime. But when it came to the fact that there was a shooting in front of his house, he had nothing to say about guns. Funny, it's funny how Republicans now want to focus on crime, but they don't want to focus on how their policies added to the crime that we're having right now. See, don't just talk to me about crime, beloved. Talk to me about guns if there was a shooting in front of your house. Don't try to be general when something specific happened. Come on now. (laughs) Y'all know I'm cooking with hot grease right now. And here's my point for you. See, my word to you is don't let people avoid the issue. Don't let people come into your life and try to talk around the issue and talk around the problem and bring everything up that they can possibly think about. And they never actually get to the thing that hurt you. Don't let people do that to you. Because people will love to dance all the way around everything. And and then at the end of the day, they never put their finger on the thing that broke your spirit. And if you let people get away with it, it's not their fault, it's yours. Call a thing a thing. Say what it is, name it, own it, and claim it. Because that's how you make it better. All right, here's my last one. Here's my last one, (laughs) Tilo. My last one, Juan. All right. So you guys heard about after Monday Night Football, you saw how Devontae Adams pushed down the cameraman and now he's being charged and investigated. But when I saw that, it reminded me of what happened to Bobby Wagner, who plays for the Los Angeles Rams. And not too long ago, a protester named Alex Taylor ran on the field carrying a pink flare and a smoke bomb um, at, during the game when the 49ers were playing the Rams. And the security was trying to tackle uh, Alex, and they couldn't get him. So Bobby Wagner, as you see there, uh, helped them and tackled um, Alex. But now this guy, Alex, as I rushed to my clothes, running across the field with a smoke bomb and a flare, he had the nerve to go and press charges against Bobby Wagner for tackling him for jumping out the stairs and running across the field. <laughs> in the immortal words of my mama, what in the hell is going on in the world? How you going to jump out the stairs, run on the field with a flare and a smoke bomb, and then you get tackled, and now you want to bring press charges against the people that tackled you? You're not a victim, sir. <laughs> the moment you jumped out of, that, out of your seat and jumped down on that field, you raised your hand to be tackled. I got to go because I got to take a break, but I hope that the, some judge throws this out. Okay, and my final word to you is this. Don't let people try to convince you that you are the problem when they were the ones that messed up. Come on, Dr. Shaw. We'll be right back with T-Lo Taylor right after this. (laughs) My guest tonight is part of the hit group Next. And sometimes we think that because we know people in a particular way, that the only ways that we know them is the only way that they exist. But the truth of the matter is, when they come off the stage, they have a life. They have a personality, they have a family. And my guest tonight is here to talk, not so much about what happened on the stage, but what happened after the show was over. Life, when the lights aren't on, in your home, and all of that. Welcome to the show tonight, T-Lo Brown. Hey, T-Lo. Hey, 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 how you doing, Dr. Sean? I'm here. I'm good. It's good to see you. Good to have you. I saw you. I saw you laughing and affirming during my opening. And I, I <laughs> yeah. love. I love people who do that. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. It's it's my it's my pleasure. Let me ask you a question. Um, because obviously we know you from your 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 career and and, and the music. But I I want to ask you a a sort of an offbeat question. What was your life like right before you signed? And right before you ended up in this group, what what was your life like before you ended up in Next? Oh, boy. You really want me to be honest? I do. Okay. So I'm the founder of Next. One of. I guess we all founded it. Um, I was literally selling drugs 
uh, <laughs> prior to next getting our deal and getting to where we at right now. I was in the streets, living in the streets. I'm just, you know, trying to survive. Wow. Taking care at the same time, raising Tweet, my brother that's in the group. He he's been with me since he was 12. So we got put out of my mother's house at 15, out of our house at 15, and he was 12, and I, that's all I had. I, that's all I knew. Wow. So so when you say you were in the streets, you mean you were homeless? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah. We were homeless. Yeah, definitely. Wow. Okay. Okay. And and that's 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 interesting and important because I have a I have a sneaky suspicion, Tilo, that that's going to come back to, in this discussion when we talk about your approach to parenting and your journey as a father because you cannot separate, you cannot separate your experiences as a son from how you would ultimately provide experiences for your children. Um, right. So let me ask you this. Did, did you have children before you signed, before you were part of the group, before you founded the group? Uh, uh, the group, we started the group, uh, I was 21. So yeah, I had, uh, at the time I had three kids at that time. Okay, okay. Yeah. How many children do you have now? I have eight kids. You have eight six kids? Girls, eight, six girls, two boys. Wow. Yeah. In, in the yeah. in immortal words of uh, of my grandson, wow! <laughs> you got I'm my father's. I'm my father's son. He has the same amount. Really? Yeah. yeah. We 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 gonna come back to that too because that that's gonna play a part. But let me ask you. So so so. You had three kids when you when you when you started the group. You have yeah. eight eight kids now. Correct. So what I understand, I, I think we got this right. So when you guys got signed, you immediately went on tour, right? When we got signed, we got signed in uh, 90, we, we went to New York in 94 and recorded the album a couple of years. It took us to take do the, do the album, Ready Next. Uh, we dropped the first single in 97. So yes, 97 is when everything took off. Clive Davis signed us and we all over the world, Europe, everywhere all over the country, the world, everywhere. So, and, 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 and I'm sure that had to be one of the most exciting experiences and a dream come true, right? 100%. Yes. Yeah. Yes, okay. Definitely. But, but here's the flip side, which is, which is why you're here tonight. How did that affect your relationship with your children? Um, time, time. I got a lot of regrets. I'm not going to get emotional here, but uh, I got a lot of regrets. Um, time, I was gone. I wasn't present. Sending child support doesn't equal, and now that I know, you know, it doesn't equal the time that you have, you know, that you're supposed to put in with your kids. And it's like, I'm regretting because I I have a couple of my relationships with a couple of my yeah. daughters yeah. I don't have now yeah. because of that. You know, so it's like... Tilo, stop. Tilo, stop. First of all, I want to give you permission and give you space and validation uh, for you to be emotional, because that's why you're here. And, and, yeah. and, and that, that is the beginning of freedom. Bondage is when you hold something in. Freedom is when you're strong enough to let it out. So I, I wanted to yeah. stop and say that. But, but also let me say this. I'm, I'm, here's a very specific question. Tell me what you regret the most as it relates to your children. All of them, not any one of them, but all of them. Uh, not being there not being there because mm -hmm. I and the truth is I didn't have a father my father wasn't in my life so I kind of know better mm -hmm. you know and it's like um just not being there for them yeah. being there, not being there physically and emotionally and birthdays and, and Christmas and Thanksgiving and stuff like that you know mm -hmm. uh, that's my biggest biggest regret yeah yeah I, I, this may be a hard question emotionally but I'm gonna ask it anyway what what do you think if 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 I was talking to your children, what do you think they would say about you, as it relates to their growing up, and that time of your life? He wasn't there. Mm, yeah. <laughs> uh, I was there. It's, it's it's weird because I was there financially. I wasn't there physically and emotionally. 
a few of them would say I was there physically and emotionally, and a few of them would say I wasn't there. Okay, Tilo, here's the $50,000 question. Why not? Yeah. Why weren't you there for them more, emotionally or physically? Because I was chasing the dream. Hmm. I was chasing my dream. I come from nothing. Hmm. And I dedicated my life to my career and my brothers trying to, me and IRL and Tweet trying to get us to where we were going. Because I felt like if I did that, it will financially take care of everything, them, my kids, me. And, you know, it just didn't, you know, it, it worked because, of course, we sold a million, we sold 18 million records, we eight Billboard Awards. We, I mean, the success with the group was there, but the relationship for me and my kids suffered. Mm. And, and, and I'm, I'm assuming suffered in a very dramatic uh, and significant and important way. Um, yeah. Tell me what you wish you had done better and i and don't and and and, and i know i know you're going to say spend more time but be specific like what 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 do you wish you had done more of as it relates to them uh, just put more effort into it just mm. put more effort just try harder like and like i said i know better because my father was never there for me my father came into my life he never claimed me he came into my life once he was dying, like almost on his deathbed. Hmm. So, you know, and, this, and he, you know, me and him talked for a whole week straight, seven days on his deathbed. He, he explained to me why he wasn't there and what the situation was. But me going through that, I should have known better. And there's no blueprint to being a father. There's no book to being a father. And so me, I, like I said, was so focused on the career, getting out the streets, leaving the drug game alone. I was so focused on taking care of my brother, taking care of my kids financially, thinking if I'm giving them child support and I'm taking care of them financially, you know, I should be good. And, and it don't work like that. No. It, and I'm living with, I'm living with regret every day with that. But, but here's the thing though, Tilo, and, and let's just, let's just, let's act like it's just me and you having this conversation, right? Right. You, you were put in a situation where you were trying to give your children something you never had. Correct. You were trying to give them something. And, and, we, and we assume that when, that when a parent isn't there, that we should know better because our parent wasn't there. But what, right. we, but what we fail to understand, however, is that the not being there imprints on us. It makes, it makes an impression on us. So we right. ultimately learn not how to be better, we learn how not to be there. Right. When, 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 when I say that to you, I'll put it this way. When I say to you that you learned how not to be there, how not to give the kind of effort that you would, would have liked to have given, that you learned and got that honestly from the generation ahead of you, when I say that, how does that make you feel? How does that strike you? That, you know what? I never thought of it like that. That's, that's true. My, I mean, my parents weren't there and so you're right uh, now that i think of it like that you're right yeah tilo yeah, you're right we began right. this conversation with you telling me and we're not casting aspersions we're just telling the truth for what it is right. or at least your truth as you experienced it you're, you're out homeless on the street with your brother and you have another parent who doesn't really show up and enter into your life until the last week of his life how right. in the world can somebody who goes through that turn out to be an intimate, uh, affectionate, emotional, present father? And I'm not that. And, and, everything, and, everything you just named, Dr. Sean, I'm not emotional. I'm not, I'm not that. I'm, I have a shell, to be honest with you. Like, I'm not that. And, I, and I'm saying to you, just based upon what I know about your journey tonight, you could not be that because, right. because you were not nurtured and raised, taught and given an opportunity to develop into that. We, we, don't, we don't just become great parents. Somewhere along the way, or great human beings for that matter, somewhere along right. the way, somebody has to sit us down and talk us through it, coach us, give us an example, we, either we need an example or a series of conversations. And I'm saying to you tonight that you, you did what you knew how to do. 
you did the only thing you knew how to do. And that is how to run, how to hustle, how to provide, how to live and how to survive. You follow me? And then, yeah, that's me. That's, wow, that's me. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, what, so, what, so your face just changed. What, what happened when I said that? Because you're making me look at it and look at my life different. Just even just talking about this right now, I never thought of it like that. Like, I blame myself. I blame, and my kids blame me. You know, their their moms have blamed me. And now that you said the way you just said it, it puts it in perspective for me. Like, if I didn't know how, how can I? Listen, stop right there. Don't say another word because that was brilliant. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I got more conversation coming up with Tilo. Um, this is good, folks. This is good soul food. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. We're talking to Tilo Brown. Tilo, um, yeah. listen, um, I'm getting the impression that you're having some epiphanies tonight. That you are that you are really starting to see this differently. Am I am I am I getting it right? Yeah, outside of the emotional part of it, yeah, I'm trying to hold back tears. Like, man, why, why are you holding you them me. back, though? I what? mean, that's how. Once again, that's how I'm built. Yeah, yeah. I'm built for it tough. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. So, so be so be strong enough to cry. Because and and I, I and I and I'll tell you. Hold on, I'll tell you why. Because if a part of if a part of what you want to be is a different kind of man than you, and a different kind of father than you were at the beginning of this journey right? Then you have to show up and be emotionally present when it's just you in the room. The only way you show up to be emotionally present for them is when you're showing up for yourself. And you, and you quite frankly, Tilo, you need to grieve. You need, you need to grieve the, the journey, the childhood, and all the love and affection and attention that you didn't get, that, that, that you deserved when you were 9 and 12 and 14 and 16 years old. You deserved a different journey and a better experience. And again, we're not impugning anybody. It's just, it is what it is, right? And I'm right. saying you need to give yourself permission to grieve what you didn't get. Because it's not just about what you're not giving your kids. It's about the fact that you, the, kid, the child, the little boy in Tilo is still grieving and wondering yes. where is what I should have gotten. I agree. I agree with that. Yeah. So, so I'm saying, I'm saying in, in this moment, show up for yourself emotionally. So if, if, if you feel emotional, be emotional because nobody's going to doubt your strength. We already know you're strong. We're not going to doubt your masculinity or your strength or any of that. We already know that you're that guy. That's proven. What we need to prove now is that you, you have what it takes and you know the journey to be a different kind of human being. And, and so and so that's part of what we're trying to do. tonight. Let, let, let me ask you this with, with respect to your kids and keep it general. OK, don't 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 talk about any one of them specifically. But generally speaking, have you had the forgiveness conversation with them? Um, yeah, a, a couple of them. Yeah. The ones that the relationship is like no relationship. Yeah, I have. I have. OK. And, you know, it's kind of like I'm. I guess my mindset is, once again, it's the it's the how I was raised. It's like I'm I'm more of a person that's family with blood. From the things that I've been through, doesn't matter really to me. I'm all about if you earn and work on we both working towards a relationship. I'm okay with that. I'm actually closer to some people that's not blood rel relatives to me. Mm. Yeah, because of what I've been through with my blood family. Yeah. Yeah. So so you you have a very different sense of what family is and a very different sense of what it means to be in relationship. Um, but let me ask you this with, with, with respect to your children, generally speaking. Um, have you asked for forgiveness? Uh, I probably should again, but I I, I could say yes. And it didn't work, <laughs> but I should probably try again. Have you told them your story? My kids know my story now, I think, more so than what they did uh, years ago. Mm. Um, I'm writing my story life out right now. I wrote it 
like a book. Mm -hmm. um, and I actually sent it to my daughters so they can read it to get to know me better. Plus their moms, we grew up together. Mm. So they know my story, they know my history and they know, I'm sure that they've told, they've told me that they've told them. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yes, and that's probably true, but only you can really tell it. Because, right. because t the telling of the story is not just about the dates and the facts and the places. The, the real right. telling of the story is, are the emotions, the feelings, the abandonment, the frustration, the anger, the anxiety. Here you are, a teenager yourself, and you're taking care of somebody who's 12 years old like you his daddy. To this day, we've never been back to her. I mean, to this day, we've never been back home. And my, and my, and my, my point is, sure, other people can tell you what happened and where, and where it happened, but only you can tell them how you felt about it. That's, that's why part of what I'm trying to do tonight, I'm trying to, I'm trying to jar some emotion out of you so, 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 <laughs> so that you understand that right. when, when your children finally see you emoting and feeling in their presence, then they begin to understand, wait a minute now, maybe there's a part of him that I don't know. A part of him I, that, I, I, go ahead, I'm sorry. I, I agree with, I agree 100% with that. So, so, I agree 100%. So what, I, what I'm going to encourage you to do is to, is, to, is to have another series of conversations, but not just about what happened, but about how you felt about what happened and what it did to you. And of course, what we've discovered tonight, how it impacted your ability to be a father and impacted your ability to be present. Because I don't care what nobody says. You simply cannot give people what you don't have. I agree, 100%. And you Never thought of it like that, now I do. Right, right. You came to the moment of being a father without a bunch of things that you need to be a good father. But that doesn't mean that you can't have it now because the great joy of life and one of the great things about God is that the Creator allows us to live a little while and to learn a little while and to grow a little while. Um, so let me ask you this, and I'm running out of time, but let me ask you this. In what ways are you different than the man you used to be when this journey started? Um, t I'm, I'm totally different. Um, I've changed my life. I don't, you know, I, I have, like I said, I live with regrets. Dealing with different relationships, I've hurt people. It, it, it makes me sick to my stomach with some of the things I've done. Um, I, I've changed. I've changed. In a, I'm older now. You know what I'm saying? I'm older. And basically mature. I, I've matured. I've grown up at the age. I'm telling my age. I'm 49 years old. Mm. I, I've, I've, I just actually started maturing at 48. Mm. And becoming a man at 48 years old because you got to think, I went from nothing to having everything at my fingertips, the world. And I've heard a lot of people, kids, mothers, ex-wife, like, you know what I'm saying? I've done a lot of stuff that I have regrets for. My mm. kids. So now I'm, I'm if I, I really want to write my wrong to everybody that I've heard. Yeah, no, I, 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 I experience you as being very sincere when you say that. And I'm, and I'm glad, listen, whenever transformation happens, it happens. And whether it happens early or late, yesterday or a year ago, I'm just glad yeah. that it's happening. Let me ask you one, one, one last question. What would you say to your younger self? Talk, talk, just take a little time and talk to the kid in you that was homeless and running for his life? Ooh. <laughs> what would I say to myself at that age? Let that out. Let that out. Oh. Man. That's a deep question. What would I say to myself back then? I don't know. Everything's going to be all right? I don't know. It's so much like if you know my history and my backstory. Ooh. Listen, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk to him for you. Can I, can, can I do that? Please do. Okay, good. Yes. I, I want your permission. So here, yep. here, here's what I want to say to him. The first thing I want to say to him is thank you. I want I want I want Tilo, I, I, young Tilo, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for being strong enough and fast enough and adept enough to keep us alive. I want to thank you for all the nights you had to scheme and scam and you had to work your way to find out how you were going to put bread in your belly and in your and in your brother's mouth. And, and young man, I want to thank you. 
I want to thank you for being the, the, the kind of human being that could not be broken by all the things that were trying to break him. But, but I also want to say this to you. Young Tilo, I want you to know that I got this now. You don't have to worry and you don't have to drive this car and you don't have to. I got it now. You got me here and I'm, I'm going to get us the rest of the way. Yeah. Yeah. That's freedom, sir. That's freedom. That's freedom. Man. Yes, sir. <laughs> you gonna make me cry. <laughs> you gonna make me cry, T Lo. <laughs> oh man. People don't know. People don't know my story. Listen, I, I, um, I'm out of time. Um, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. It's, it's my pleasure. And, and, and come back and let's, let's talk some more because I want to hear how these conversations go, okay? <laughs> All right, man. All right. Listen, everybody, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll be right back. Uh, I learned a lot. I got a lot to, to tell you in my aha moment. Uh, I like him. We'll be right back right after this. Welcome back, everybody. That was an amazing conversation. Uh, Tilo Brown is a good dude coming to terms with himself. I had a few aha moments. Play the bu bumper, highly. So, so, well, first of all, he had some aha moments, didn't he? And one of the aha moments that he had was to realize, and it sounds cliche, but people don't realize it with respect or they don't apply it to their own journeys. And that is, you simply cannot give people what you don't have. You know, our kids need to understand, and I say this as a parent, our kids need to understand that, that, that we was broken when we had you, <laughs> right? In the same way that our parents were broken when they had us. Now, nobody comes to the moment of parenting fully healed or fully developed. And some of us come to the moment of parenting deficient, denied of the things that we should have gotten and deserved. And one of the parts of this conversation that I thought were powerful the end of the conversation, particularly powerful, but, but one of the things I thought was powerful in this conversation was when he began, when, when Tilo began to realize that there are things that he should have gotten that he didn't get. How can you give somebody that which you do not possess? I think one of the better parts of that conversation was the end of the, our talk together when I asked him to talk to his younger self and then ask permission to talk to his younger self on his behalf. You see, all of us need to thank the younger us, that younger version of ourselves that was idealistic enough and strong enough and courageous enough and proud enough and resilient enough to get us here. And before we condemn or critique or criticize the you that we used to be, how about we say thank you? How about you thank yourself with all of your imperfections, for having enough temerity to get you here. Yeah, that's an aha moment. All right, let's do some Ask Dr. Sean. Play the bumper again, Hailey. All right, let's take a look at this quick video. Hi, Dr. Sean, my name is Leanne uh, and I'm from New Jersey. I just lost my job and had a recent miscarriage and I'm looking to kind of understand what God's purpose is for my life. Do you have any advice you can lend me? I'd really appreciate it. Thank you. Wow, that's such a deep and substantive question. Um, <clears throat> let me begin by obviously saying that, that uh, it, from my tradition, uh, a lot of prayer, a lot of meditation, a lot of spending time with the creator and, and trying to understand the message and the meaning and the loss. I would also encourage you to surround yourself with people who are substantive. This is not the time in your life where you need to be around shallow people who just want, you know, who just want you to turn up and, and, and you know, and no, having fun is important and being happy is important. But if I hear your question correctly, what you're looking for is understanding to be grounded and to have some sense of meaning in the midst of your tremendous loss. And I'm saying other people around you who are grounded, who are spiritual, who are wise, can help you hear and see things that you may not be able to pick up on your own. More importantly, they may be able to feed your soul. 
You need to be around people who can feed you, who can give you what, who can say the words that your spirit needs to hear and that your soul is longing to attach itself to. This is a time for you to make sure that you have grounded people, wise people with whom you can spend your time, share your sorrows and dream your dreams. Lord have mercy. Let's take a break. We'll be right back right after this. Welcome back, everybody. So someone DM me this question. My ex-husband and I have been divorced for three years because he was unfaithful. He recently asked me to dinner and said he misses me and wants us to start over. I miss him, but I don't want to be hurt again. Should I give love a second chance or tell him he needs to move on with his life? Well, <laughs> first of all, let me say this. You always give love a chance, okay? But that doesn't mean you give love a chance with the people that hurt you. It just means that you don't disclose or close yourself off to an opportunity to be loved. See, I think when someone wants to come back into your life, you always have to remember why they left. You don't, you don't, you don't walk around in denial about what they did or what they are capable of doing, right? Because that's how you protect yourself. And that's also how you prove to yourself, to yourself, that you've grown. That, you, that you've relieved yourself, liberated yourself from naivete. So whatever happens, whatever you decide to do, you are keenly aware of the person that you are dealing with. So that if you are embrace somebody, you embrace all of who they are and all of what they've done, past, present, and future. See, I think that not wanting to be hurt again is a recipe for being hurt again. Because whenever people fear something, that that you fear the most will come upon you. See, trust yourself enough to know that whatever he happens to do or whatever anybody else happens to do, even if you are hurt again, you can recover. You're not some weak, insignificant little child who's not strong enough to get back on your feet again. You can get up on your feet, love again, work again, strive again, build again, live again. So stop not wanting to be hurt again and start wanting more so to live and to love and to enjoy. You see, you make this decision not from a place of fear. Make this decision from a place of strength. And if you believe on some level that he might be able to provide some level of joy and pleasure and intimacy and happiness, then maybe you do. But what you never want to do is to be so afraid of something that you back yourself into a corner, ultimately not allowing yourself access to many of the things that are trying to make them their way rather to you. I don't know him well enough to know whether or not you should give him another chance, but here's what I do know. You should always put yourself in a, posi in a, in a position to be loved and cared for. What you need to do with this person, with this ex-husband, is to give this situation more time because time will tell you everything. And time will tell you how he will react when he doesn't get what he wants exactly when he wants it. I would say to you, still be in conversation, maybe. Still spend time, but make sure you extend the waiting period. Don't make any declarations or commitments or give up any parts of your body or anything for a significant period of time. And it's not just about him working his way or earning his way back into your life. That's the wrong way to see it. It's about you making sure that what you know about him has been overcome by new things that there are to learn. Because at the end of the day, if time shows you that everything you know is all there is to him to be known, then I would say to you, move on. All right. Let's take a look at another video. Play the video. Hey, Dr. Sean, I'm Kendra Steven and I need some advice. Someone I know likes to dress really provocative when I invite them out, no matter where we go. Should I say something to them or should I stop inviting them out as much? Um, listen, how about you stop caring about it so much? Um, how about you enjoy the friendship and the person? How about you start considering the fact that, and I'm not, I'm not coming after you. I'm just saying, how about you realize that there may be a story to how she dresses. There may be a narrative to why it is she presents herself in the world that way. And maybe you should get to know that story before you condemn the behavior. You follow what I'm saying? 
I, 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 I get it with people, you know, you want people to present themselves well among your friends and your family and your coworkers, and oh my God, here you come dressed like this. But I just happen to think that, that there's always a reason and a cause why people are doing what they're doing. And when you care about, see, people who don't care about you, have, they, don't even, they don't even want to have access to the cause. They just critique the behavior. And they have a right to do that because they don't care about you. But people who do care about you have a more responsibility to dig a little deeper. What I would say to you is dig a little deeper. Find out what it is about her life, her journey, her pain, her joy, her everything that predisposes her and leaves her no other choice but to manifest and to present herself in the world this way. And you may come to discover that there may be emotional things going on in her life, insecurities, barriers, a season or a time in her life where she didn't feel good about her body. All of that may be in play where now she's out of place and she's decided, you know what? God gave me this and I'm going to let the world see it because I spent too much time in the bruising darkness, hiding in the shadows, licking the wounds that I never should have had to deal with. See, just me saying that in her voice as if I was her makes you think about it differently. And I'm saying, if this is your friend, if it's truly your friend, then give your friend an opportunity to tell you more of the story. The part of the story that in spite of the fact that she is your friend, you may not know. Don't just condemn what people do. I'm not saying, I'm not saying you don't have that right. Also listen to why they do it, okay? Great conversation tonight, great show tonight. Thank you for being a part of this. I learned so much tonight. I got so much out of this. I love it when strong black men are trying to do better, trying to go in a different direction and reconcile themselves to their future. Tito Brown is one of my new heroes. He's going to be all right. And guess what? So are you. All right. I'll see you next time. We're going to end the week's show. Y'all be good to each other. I love you. At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum. Restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. And now, shop what you love and save $2 on each participating item when you buy three or more with your card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum. Restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. And now, shop what you love and save $2 on each participating item when you buy three or more with your card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.